Life's too short. Life's too damn short. So, eat everything. Try anything. Exercise. Experience all that life has to offer. Here's exercise physiologist, medical journalist, and healthy talk host, Melanie Cole, MS. You know, back in my days of following the Grateful Dead around, and I used to make fun of the hippies and the raps and not make fun of them because I was doing it too. But it was like you spoke the language and you did the thing and you ate veggie wraps and you did all this. But little did we realize that back in those days, it was really part of the culture that was growing and is now basically the norm. And so many of the foods that have become staples in so many houses, you know, whole wheat and wraps and all of these things uh, were really started back then by people that were not only doing it for their own health, but making a statement about food and politics and the government and communes and co-ops and all of these things kind of tied together. My guest today is Jonathan Kaufman. He's a line cook turned journalist. He's an IACP James Beard award-winning staff writer at the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. So how did you start with hippie food? As I was saying, I I was and still am and always have been. I'm 53. So how did you come to even think about doing this? Because what a great idea. You know, I you know most of my career was uh, in food and food writing has been focused on restaurants and on you know anywhere from high end restaurants to small Vietnamese pho places, and you know I was about ten years ago I was in Seattle as a restaurant critic and I visited this uh, vegetarian cafe that had been around for thirty years and. My friends and I had this huge hit of nostalgia when we were, we started eating this uh, steamed vegetables with lemon tahini sauce and uh, nut loaf and soy burgers, and it, it made me realize. Well, you know, I used to. This is the food I grew up on, and I and I. My parents weren't anything near hippies. I grew up in a small town in Indiana in the 1970s, and we belonged to a co-op. And I, I began thinking, you know, how did foods like, you know, nut loaf come about? How did the counterculture start eating, eating them? And then why were my parents eating them, you know, it far, so far from San Francisco? So that, it took me about five years of, of research and talking to people to um, tell that story. So interesting. And back, you know, I remember when people would wrinkle their nose at tofu and I was feeding my children tofu back when they were just little and they're 17, 15 now. And, you know, I would give them little squares of tofu and we would, you know, we would eat things like nut loaf and all of the sprouts. And, and then as a parent, you start worrying that maybe sprouts have E. coli and stuff. So, I mean, you, you know, your ideas change. But certainly the hippies of the 60s and 70s really had the right idea because so many of those foods now are considered health foods. Yeah. It was sort of a surprise to me, in fact, to go back and, and look at, you know, 1970 and what nutritionists were saying and realize how fringe those foods were because they're such a part of like yogurt and granola and hummus are such a part of our daily lives these days. Well, and even with smoothies, you know, because they used to do these smoothies and juicing beets, you know, and, and juicing all these things. And, and you were like, oh, wow, this juice is awesome, you know, and you would say that stuff. But now, of course, there's smoothie bars and juice bars everywhere. So how do you think in, in your research that this became such a mainstream thing and went from people who are high end elites 
to, you know, the hippies that they wouldn't have really sat down with. Now everybody's in the same coffee shop eating the same kind of thing. Yeah, I think two things. One is that the, you know, the young counterculture kids picked up on something. They were, they were some concerns that still affect us today. They were the first generation to grow up with, you know, um, chemical fertilizers and herbicides and in their agriculture and processed foods and supermarkets. And, and so they were also the first generation to, you know, be around when, when we started realizing that some of the, some of the problems with, with all of those methods of, of, you know, growing food and producing food industrially. So they were, they created this, this diet that they were creating um, was, was trying to strip away all those influences and really focus on, you know, whole grains, vegetables, very simple food, food that they could take control of that allowed them to take control of their health and, and hopefully farm in a better way. So I think those ideas, uh, that problem still resonates with us today. But the other thing that they did um, that was fascinating was they weren't just idealists, they were organizers. And so they set up food co-ops and in you know tiny towns and big cities, uh, buying clubs. They created natural foods markets and then the infrastructure for bringing these foods to the rest of the country. So, so it was um, they they planted the seeds for all of this food to be so widely available today. More with Melanie Cole coming up. But first, I want to tell you about Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. Yes, I'm not kidding. This is really cool. Health IQ can save you up to 33% because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, and a 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to people who are inactive. And these savings are exclusive to Health IQ. Now, you have to qualify by taking a Health IQ quiz or other other lifestyle quizzes like the cycling IQ or running IQ quiz. And you can also get additional savings by submitting actual data such as race results from a 5K that you've run. And Health IQ doesn't just take this info and pass it on to an insurer. They are with you every step of the way from interest to application through underwriting to the final policy enforcement. It's pretty cool. Now, by being healthy, you not only live a better life, but now you can also pay less for your life insurance. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com com slash life's too short or mention the promo code life's too short when you talk to a health iq agent once again check this out it's really cool just go to healthiq.com slash life's too short now back to melanie cole You mentioned that your parents were part of a co-op, and my parents got involved in one, too. I'm the youngest of six kids, and so, you know, it was a way for them to get food from Wisconsin that came from a farm, and everybody could get their milk this way and some vegetables during the season, Mm -hmm. whatever, and meat, you know, you could buy in on the meat and the eggs and all that sort of thing. And now people are, I mean, it's a great idea. It's still a great idea, but people do worry about the safety factor and the, you know, all of this kind of thing. So it seems like it's not quite as popular as it was for a while there. No. And I think that they also, we've, we were, we've adopted, we've, 
chosen convenience, I think, over idealism now because we have the option to. You know, there, there's enough of that food that's available that we think we don't need to go the extra mile to, you know, make a contact with a farmer or search out the food ourselves. That's right. So. I, I think that that's such an interesting point, too. But people are learning, and people are learning how to cook with these products, and they're, you know, getting their kids involved. So it's really a coming of age of all of this kind of food when really it's been around for just ever so long. What was the most surprising thing that you learned when you were researching for this book? What was the most surprising? If you, were you talking to hippies, Jonathan? Were you talking to some real, oh, yeah. you know, the great unwashed, some people that, you know, followed the Grateful Dead around for 10 years. <laughs> Were you really talking to those people? What, what was the most exciting thing or interesting that you learned? You know, I think that the thing that surprised me most was the influence of macrobiotics, yeah. which today I sort of think, oh, macrobiotics, you know, it's maybe that diet that people eat to, to cure cancer. I mean, it's still, it's a very fringe thing, but in, in 1965, 1968, it was the, the first diet that the counterculture kids looked to for, for a model of how to cook with natural foods. Macrobiotics was introduced to the United States in 1960 by George Asawa, who's the Japanese man who, who basically invented this diet and philosophy, um, who, who thought that, you know, some foods are yin and some foods are yang, and you have to balance those foods in your body, which makes a lot of sense. But, and he also was, you know, the first, one of the first people to say, you know, the, the Western diet is leading to obesity and, and uh, diabetes and heart disease. But then he also believed that if you ate brown rice for 10 days, nothing but brown rice for 10 days, you could cure cancer. So it was this mix of like freaky, I mean, you know, kooky ideas and real prescience. But he, his followers, um, you know, some of them developed scurvy because they were eating nothing but brown rice. But yeah. others went on to introduce Americans to all of these, you know, ten, we call it tamari tamari because George Ozawa introduced that word. Right, we eat rice cakes because he introduced that to America. So a yeah. lot of foods, you know, that we don't even think about um, came from Oat cakes and, and brown rice. I mean, brown rice was not considered something that people, you know, they like their white rice that you got at a Chinese restaurant. And it was, you know, just easier and whatever brown rice sounded too husky and too, you know, like musk and, and smelling of patchouli and that whole kind of feel to it. But, you know, also there was the political aspect to some of this that I find so interesting that they were looking at food for people, not for profit, and that it was you know, hey, let's not look to the preservatives because that's the man and the establishment, and they're putting that in to yeah. try and guide us. And so did you find out some of that? I did. And, you know, I was amazed because I sort of think that, oh, food, of course food is political. And I didn't really realize that that was not a way that Americans talked about food up until Never. 1971, you know, in 70 no. and 71, when, uh, you know, Frances uh wrote Diet for a Small Planet, and she was, um, she looked at agriculture reports and discovered that, you know, we could solve global famine if we fed all of the grains and, and soybeans that we were feeding to animals to people instead. And it just made people think, well, I can make a political, my, what I buy has political implications. Um, that was, yeah, it was fascinating. And, I mean, the vegetarian aspect of it all, the vegan aspect of it all was pretty right. prevalent back then. But, I mean, you met hippies that ate meat and, you know, loved a good cheeseburger. But for the most part, there was a lot of vegetarians because of the whole animals, things with a face, Paul McCartney. You know, I mean, all of this kind of thing went together. Yep. 
So that was so interesting. Now, you know, I know we're pretty much out of time for you, but tell people where they can find Hippie Food, what you want them to know about this book, and, you know, I'd love to have you back sometime. Oh, great. Well, you can find out more about Hippie Food on my website, www.jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, Kaufman, K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N.com. And it's available on all of the uh, online booksellers. Um, and I think what I hope people take from it is what I, you know, what I took from it is a sense of hope that, you know, here was this generation that was, they had no money, they had these ideals, and they had, you know, they had no idea of how to cook all these ingredients. And they really made such a difference in the food supply that it, it makes me feel like, you know, this, this movement is going to continue to, to go forward. I agree with you. And what an interesting topic and an interesting thing to research and write a book about. And now organic food and vegetarian and vegan and tofu, they're all part of the mainstream. So thanks so much for researching this and being with us today, Jonathan. And you can hear more of this kind of information at RadioMD.com and iHeart and iTunes and TuneIn and Stitcher and everywhere else that we run. Thanks so much for listening. This is Melanie Cole and stay well.